What's up, everyone? I'm Ruthina Porterfield, and this is Liberated Conversations with Ruthina. Okay, so anytime I have the chance to speak with someone who I've never met, it's always very special to me because I love meeting new people. And this is one of those opportunities. In this conversation, I'm speaking with Celine Walker. She has a platform, an Instagram platform called The 411, and it's where she provides uplifting advice from a former one foot in and one foot out Christian. We're going to talk a little about her platform and its audience, but we're also going to talk about the differences between how millennial believers like her and a Generation X believer like myself approach Christianity and living the Christian life. This is an interesting one. Join the conversation. Hello, Celine. How are you? Oh, now I'm on. Now I'm on. Okay. Can you see me now? Yes. Okay. I can, I can hear- only see you for a second. But I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. Happy to be here. I am happy to have you. Like I said, I always love meeting new people and conversations with different new people. That's always kind of the best for me. So I'm excited. Um, Just to kind of let everyone know how we technically met. Right, right. Um, I came across you on Instagram, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a post... If I'm not mistaken, because now I've commented on a few of your uh, posts. Yeah, a few of them, yeah. <laughs> but I think the specific one that got my attention was one that you talked about, and I may be wrong, so you can correct me, but there's one where you talked about watching, you were around a group of friends and yes. you were watching something that seemed okay. And at the time, at yep. the time, and it kind of was not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I totally identified with that. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that video. Um, I just like to come on and talk a little bit about lessons that I've learned yeah. a little bit. Um, because, like, I remember when I was, you know, growing up, like, I didn't, ha- I didn't come across a lot of videos where people were. Um, talking deeply about um, avoiding sin and situations where they kind of fell into that. And so that that was a situation where I was like, wow, um, I need to come on and talk about it because I got this completely wrong and here are my lessons and maybe it can help somebody. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been there. Um, We're probably going to actually get into that in our conversation because yeah, I have totally been there. Um, tell everybody about your platform, though. Tell everybody what is the four one one like. What is it? Where is it? That type of thing. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, like Ruthina said, my name is Celine, and last year, actually in August, I'm coming up on a one one year since I've had the page. Um, yeah, and the four one one, I created it um, to really uh, reach out to the one foot in and one foot out Christian because me. I spent year, like years of my life being a one foot in and one foot out Christian. And um, I really did this because um, the world just had, you know, just like a hold on me and like the, uh, just had a lot of narrative on certain things. And I was following that. And I remember um, the first time I heard Proverbs, um, I think it's 412. Don't quote me on that. But about, <laughs> there's a way that seems right to a man, but oh, ultimately it leads to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that was really me. Like there were things in the world that just made more sense to me. And I was like, okay, you know, 
uh, God, I'll, I'll pull you up on the side when I need you. And, and then in some situations, I'm going to put you back on the shelf, you know, and that, and that was me. And it was super detrimental. Um, Christianity was always like this temporary season for me. It was never a permanent thing. It's just when I needed help, when I needed something, I would run to God. And then, um, and then when I was done, I would go away and it led to just a lot of frustration and hardship. And finally in 2020, um, you know, I wish I could say that something super dramatic happened to me in January. Um, but God, maybe you uh, should be happy that nothing dramatic. Exactly. Exactly. But God just kind of called me and said that I am the, the true vine. And, and after that, I, uh, you know, became a Christian and uh, started living life with a surrendered heart. And I just want people to see the benefit of that and not, I got one foot over on this side and then I'm going to come over to this side when I'm ready. And, and it was great because I needed, I I wouldn't have been able to make it through 2020 without being a Christian. (laughs) I know. Right. I know. um, It's funny because I actually want to address this whole idea of the lukewarm Christian as we get ah, okay. into our discussion because I feel like when I um when I heard lukewarm growing up for us um and and I think it's important that we establish okay yes we're from two different generations mm-hmm. um but I think it's also important that we establish that we live in different regions mm-hmm. of the United States we were also kind of raised in different regions I was raised in, born and raised in um, South Carolina Mm-hmm. And um, being raised, where were you born? And raised? I was actually raised in Jamaica. I uh, grew up in Jamaica till completely different. Yeah, yeah, completely different till I was about fifteen and moved to the U.S. when I was fifteen. So, right. Um, so yeah, even our cultures are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. So all of that goes into our perspective and our lifestyle when it comes to. Um, Everything in general, but Christianity as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because your perspective is all—it it always should come down to the Bible for sure. Amen. <laughs> but from your culture mm-hmm. and from your past, right? So, um, so jumping in, when it comes to lukewarm, growing up for me, I was born and raised in kind of the Pentecostal holiness tradition that of the eighties and that movement was very in your face, get saved. Are you going to hell? Like that type of thing. And so lukewarm meant if you don't go to church, you're going to hell. Like that's basically, we were not really taught much detail except for Mm. don't listen to secular music. Don't go to the movies. Don't wear pants if you're a girl. Like that type of, that's what we were taught lukewarm was. We weren't really taught lukewarm in respect and from a perspective of relationship. Mm. What, what did you understand lukewarm to be? Okay. So uh, first I will say like how I grew up um, was a little different. So I grew up in a predominantly Christian um, country. And, um, for, for me, it kind of, it, that probably means different things for different people in Jamaica. But for me, I reflecting on it, Christianity was always kind of like in the background for me, I think. So like I would go to church, I would go to school 
and we would pray before we went to lunch or we would, um, you know, go to devotion in the morning, but I was never really paying attention or, you know, uh, you know, really, you know, into what was going on. It was just kind of there. Right. And, um, I first, I didn't know, or even hear the words, a, Christianity is a personal relationship with God until I was probably about 18 years old. Uh, wow. And wow. so lukewarm, uh, all of those terms in childhood were just kind of in the background. You know, maybe an adult was talking to me about this, but I, I was not paying attention. Um, you know, like I remember being one of those kids that couldn't wait for service to be over. Um, cause at that time, you know, I think churches um, have kind of changed and, and, sure, and, you know, the church is like an, an hour, an hour and a half so they can grip and keep people's attention. But when I was a kid right. going to church, it was like a really long time. And I was that's, one of those kids that was like, mom, when are we leaving? Okay. That's um, similar to me. Oh yeah. That's similar to me. We went to church at 10 and church did not get out till like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. That's, yeah, that's what the. And then you came back yeah. for night service. Oh, okay. It was not. It was not. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, I do, um, I do write in my book about how my mother, my mama, was um, very. She got to a point where she was frustrated with it, and mm. so she decided that no matter where the service was at two in the afternoon, we were gone. So mm-hmm. she would be watching the clock at 155, 157, 159. <laughs> and at two o'clock, no matter what they What's were doing, up, what oh, was sh- happening? let's go. It was time to let's go. go. So, but yeah, that's similar to me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, it's funny because that almost feels kind of my idea of Caribbean. Uh, I hope this doesn't sound off, but Caribbean Christianity, that mm-hmm. whole kind of, um, it, it, it seems like it's similar specifically to kind of the Pentecostal holiness denomination where church services are very, very long. Um, you hear it is in the background. I went to a Christian kindergarten. I did not go because America has, mm-hmm, the yeah. whole, you know, once you get into the public school system, it's going, it's very different. Right. So I didn't pray or have devotionals in first grade, second grade, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it is a little different. So, and you said that you didn't hear per- about personal relationship until you were 18? Yeah, until college, really. Okay. And um, yeah, that was the first time that I was like, oh, that was my first encounter with God, really. When I was told about lukewarm, like I said, it was, you know, go to church or go to hell, that's your choice. That those are your two choices. There's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. And um, as I got older and discovered, learned more about relationship, mm-hmm. I realized that lukewarm may not necessarily have anything to do with church at all. Mm-hmm. When you look at like the actual lukewarm verse in Revelation, mm-hmm. where he's partic- specifically speaking to an entire church about <laughs> being lukewarm. Mm-hmm. So when you realize that it's about relationship, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, that's different mm-hmm. than what that you're taught. Different. 
So it kind of throws you. When you talk about relationship, I really want to address what relationship to um, relationship with God is like when it comes to Gen X like me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and millennial. And I'll say, and I want to ask that question because I remember being in college Mm. and I remember meeting my Christian friends and us discovering, you know, true relationship with God. And we were practically holy rollers. I I almost (laughs) cringe at, I almost cringe at how in your face we were. Um, But we were so, um, what's the word? Not excited. Excited isn't the word I'm looking for, but um, we were just so enthusiastic and, 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 and really wanting to share or whatever, but we kind of lost the aspect of love and, and, Mm. and showing relationship with others. I don't, I don't know if I'm putting it that way. No. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And I actually think that, uh, well, so first I want to say that I can't speak for all millennials at right. all. At of all. course. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's That's put true. that out there. Um, but I, I almost be feel like I experience the opposite of what you're, you're experiencing. Really? Yeah. So I, I think that sometimes, you know, people in my generation, we really get like the, the love part and stuff. Yes. And then we forget about the truth. You know, so like in conversations mm. with people, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we're really focusing on uh, empathizing and, you know, what are they ready to hear? And like, sometimes we can dilute mm. and, um, you know, dilute truth. And I think that that's something we can all, you know, different generations can learn from each other is like, how do you, you know, not shove truth down somebody's face, you know, throat who's not ready to hear it. Or who, you know, may need you to meet them where they're at. And then also, how do we hold on to, um, you know, the values and and what the Bible says? Because you're not really doing people a favor when you are diluting that. Right. Right. That's super. Girl, if you had a basket, I'd put a dollar in. Um, (laughs) But no. Let me look for a basket. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What's that cash app, girl? <laughs> cash app offering. <laughs> no, but it's so true. It's so true. I think um, because that kind of leads me into what my next question was. It's if if that's the case, because, OK, you're coming from I, I'm coming from a generation that. So the baby boomers were, were right above me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they were the ones kind of beating it over our heads. Mm-hmm. do this, do that, do this, do that, that type of thing. And we, I think again, and just like you, I can't speak for Gen X. Yep. I can only yeah. speak for my experience. Right. And so what I experienced was we took a little bit of that into it, but somewhere mm-hmm. in there, we, a lot of people that I know grew a little resentful of that mm. beating over your head type thing yeah. to the point where it was like, well, I'm not going to do that with my kids, which would mm. be the millennials. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you get a new generation that is not necessarily because they weren't beaten over the head with it. 
they may not necessarily be as churched as mm-hmm. say my generation is, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that the approach has to change. And you talked about reaching people with love. I want to talk about how the different generations, how how the gen- different generations approach reaching the non-believer because for us growing up, it was making everybody, you know, come to my church, come (laughs) to to church or giving them a track. One of those little, um, Oh yes. One of those little things and read this and get saved or Mm -hmm. uh, the street ministry. Um, I grew up where street, the the street preacher wasn't looked down upon Mm. now. That's very different now. Yeah, It's very different now. The street preacher back then, it was like, okay, he's just doing his thing. Let him do Mm -hmm. it because you never know what God's doing. Mm -hmm. That's not the case right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know how effective that was. I I don't know how effective that was. Maybe it was effective for, I don't know how effective it was. What do you think? What are you seeing more now? Um, I think right now, just I'm seeing a lot more uh, things on social media to -hmm. try to reach people and a lot of, um, you know, uh, telling relatable stories or um, and, and, you know, uh, trying to like influence and affect uh, the people that you have reached to. Uh, We live in a completely like new kind of age where we all have um, reach to certain people on social media and really trying to use that um, to, to glorify God and spread the gospel. You know, I think, uh, I saw this thing on social media the other day that really stuck out to me. And it was like, you know, your, your real job is, is the gospel and being a fisher of men and, you know, the, you know, your career and other job is really kind of a part-time thing. And it just like put into perspective, like, and made me remember, like, why I'm here and like that um, I exist to, to glorify God and to, um, you know, do what he has called me to do. And and so I think, you know, anybody who's listening, I want to encourage you like on your social media that like that people are watching and that you can really, um, you know, help encourage um, and positively influence people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, since the pandemic, when it comes to social media, social media and online became church for basically Uh, the world. (laughs) I am in transition right now between like, uh, okay, I think it's time for me to start going to church in person, you know? Right. Um, But I think I've really enjoyed this, you know, sitting in my bed and, um, but there's nothing quite, when I went to the last time I went to church, like, uh, I think like, last week or maybe like two weeks ago um, in person, like it was so nice being in there and like, you know, hearing the music and, you know, well, there's, well, there's a different atmosphere. There's a, there's a different atmosphere and God works in a different way Mm. in the congregation of the believers. There's a, there's a reason why he says, don't neglect to assemble yourselves together. Like there's mm. a reason behind that because Definitely. there's a power in the collection of believers, but mm-hmm. the, where two or three are gathered, gathered. that's not yeah, just for prayer. Yeah. That's just, that's for us to understand. There is a power that happens when people get together on one accord 
that does not necessarily happen individually. Not to say that he doesn't move in both ways because he does. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just a different function. It's different, yeah. That's all. It's just a different function. And so I think, but I still believe that I I think the pandemic forced Gen X and baby boomers as well. I'm, I'm going to say um, mostly baby boomers because the numbers and statistics that have come down when it comes to church attendance and how many people actually see the importance of church has decreased significantly over the last 20 years to the point where you go into a church, depending on what church it is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When you go into these older churches that have been there for hundreds of years, um, especially when you talk Mm -hmm. about East Coast, I mean, those churches have been there. There's a church in my neighborhood where I grew up that was there when the neighborhood was established 150 years ago. So when you go into those type churches, you get pastors who are 70 years old. 60, 70, 80 years old, right? So I think what it's done is it's forced the body of Christ to look at how they're reaching people, right? Mm -hmm. And begin to expand. I don't think there's anything wrong with expanding the way that you reach people. It's it's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Especially if you're talking about reaching people where they are. And if Mm -hmm. you're going to reach this next generation where they are, well, where they are is online. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to talk about the influence of small groups, because that is something I did not grow up with. How uh, informed or interested or... um, or participative were you, that might not be a word, but how much did you participate in small groups or has that had a function in your life? Let's say Uh, pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic? Yes, definitely. Um, So I go to, or, you know, currently go to and have been to a lot of really large churches, like hundreds of people, you know, and there it's, it's hard to build community when, uh, you know, there are tons and tons of people. And so it is important to um, have a small group and, you know, meet with people so that, you know, as Christians, we're called to to do life together. And um, I've met some of my best friends at small groups. And actually, my friends and I ha- meet, we meet every Thursday to do Bible study together. And um, it's like, uh, um, you know, a time for us to just get together and, and form individual relationships. And so, that piece of knowing that um, people need to like connect with each other. And, and honestly, like there are a lot of people experiencing a lot of loneliness when they go into churches. Um, And so, you know, making sure that you're intentional and have ways for people to connect with each other um, in smaller groups is um, really important. Yeah. I found, um, I know one of the things that I do for, um, the podcast for, for, for this podcast for Liberated Conversations, we do um, a devotional on the seventh of each month that the podcast of each season, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's called the Seeds of Devotion, uh, Seeds of Devotion episode, but we pick a um, devotion from the Bible app to do. And we invite our friends to do it with us. And, and we found that this, a few friends have kind of joined in with us and it's a way to connect and you're invited to. Um, it, it, this is what's so cool about the online thing. It doesn't matter where you are, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it, it just 
allows people to connect, the body of believers to connect no matter where they are and learn from each other and grow from each other. Like, Mm -hmm. so a small group is even beyond just meeting in a house now. Now mm-hmm. a small group can be an online small group as well. Same, it's, yeah. it's it's really cool. And that's something that I never even fathomed growing mm-hmm. up um, when it came to small groups, because I wasn't introduced to small groups until I think my 20s. I was mm-hmm. in my 20s and I'm, I'm going to be 44 in a month and a half. So it's really, really it, it's it's been really enlightening and um and just enriching as well to to experience what happens in small groups. And when you think about how the early church really did it, mm. that's kind of how they did it when after Jesus died. The whole point was going from house to house. And it was these small groups in these houses. And the this is what I love about what it says. The Bible actually mm-hmm. says they ate and fellowship. That's like, yeah. that's what they did. They fed each other like real food and spiritual food. I'm mm. like all about like all feeding about each that. Other. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know yeah. That's what it's done for me. And the support and the encouragement, like um, me and my, like I said, me and my friends, uh, we have a small book, small group kind of going on and we meet every Thursday and it's, it's so cool how God has brought us together at this time because like mm-hmm. we all have kind of different personalities and, and different things that um, we're struggling w- with as mm-hmm. well as some of the same things that we are struggling with or going through. Yeah. And so we're able to, it's, you know, it's nice to, we're able to be encouraged when someone else has a breakthrough and we're like, or, you know, to celebrate when, you know, we all came together and we can be like, I remember praying for that. For this person, like I remember us gathering together and praying, and you just feel so uplifted that, like, you know, God is working in their life, and you're seeing it, and God is working in your life as well too. And um, you know, the the accountability of like someone else who you know is taking their faith just as seriously as you are, um, who can you know point you in the right direction when you are. Uh, all the way over here. Um, There have been many times where my friends have, you know, had to, to check me and be like, no, Celine, uh, no, this is not what scripture says or, um, you know, and uh, that's not always fun in the moment. As as a matter of fact, it was not fun going through that, but it's good. It's good now because we need that. We need to be able to hold each other accountable and support each other and, and carry each other's burdens, you know? Yeah, you you have to be in a place where it you you really trust the person and give them the permission to check you and be okay with when they check you, you know? And so, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I have definitely been there and I've been on both sides um cuz the checking part if you're doing it with integrity, the checking mm-hmm. part is not easy. It is a yeah, it's not. It, it's a difficult thing because you're in a strange position where you're like, okay, I know. Um, I have a friend who had to check me on a friendship on another friendship that I had, oh, and yeah. I can't imagine what she had to go through to be like, okay, I don't want her to think that I'm like friendship hating or something like that. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. I, but she checked me. And and mm-hmm. 
thank God she did. Like, thank God she did. So um, there is an accountability when it comes to small groups and just really looking at your friendships, man. Just Mm -hmm. there's so much to unpack there. There's there's just so much to unpack right there. Um, So regarding um, as we close this out, when we talk about the generations learning from each other and uh, growing the body of Christ by working together. I'm curious what you've seen or what you think is a solution. I know my church actually did, again, Mm pre-pandemic, our church actually launched what they called a Naomi Ruth program Mm -hmm. where they had people, older women um, from the older generations I think they specifically gave years and everything. Were you born this year between this spot? They had a meeting with them and that would volunteer for that. And then they had a specific year age group and with a different meeting. Would Mm -hmm. you want to volunteer? And then they matched people together. Oh, that's good. For, um, for mentorship and accountability and to learn and stuff, which yeah. I thought was awesome. What have you seen or what is something? Cause I think that would be totally, totally effective. I think more churches need to do that. Yes, definitely. What do um, you see? One of the, I, yeah, I really love that. Uh, your church is doing that. I think when I was thinking about this, this, uh, topic, uh, one of the things I, I think, so I think that millennials, will be good or better at reaching other millennials and Gen X will be good at reaching other, you know, Gen X. Cause we all kind of, we have an understanding of our own generation, but you know, like the Bible doesn't say like, be a fisher of your own generation. Like it says, be a fisher of men. And so we yeah. have to learn how to, to, um, to reach each other, you know? Yes. And um, so I think we need to have like what more intergenerational friendships or relationships or, just like what you said, um, because I'm going to be very real. Um, you know, uh, I don't interact with Gen X a lot in the church. Um, this wow. is like one of my first um, interactions. So, yeah, oh, um, you know, <laughs> aside from um, seeing, you know, pastors on the pulpit or like people up there, there's not a whole lot of interaction going on. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think that's just how a lot of us navigate life. We talk to um, you know, people who are similar to us, similar in age, that kind of thing, you know, outside of like, you know, family and that kind of thing that, that those or work, you know, those, that's a little different, but, um, yeah, in the church, we need to see kind of more of that. And we need to have some more intentional collaboration, um, kind of like this and, um, what your church is doing to like really sit down and, and um, talk about the diversity in the body of Christ, uh, different generations, different people, you know, because also just like individuality, you know, like, for example, like we're talking about my parents are actually baby boomers and that probably affects, yeah, my dad's turning 80 in, um, in October, which is really exciting. Um, So, you know, there's, different individuals and, and, and lots of nuances to, to reaching people and, and what they're going through. And, uh, you know, as Christians, we, we can't just, uh, we have to have conversations and, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and it's really important. So, yeah, I think it's, um, connecting, finding ways to connect on different levels, right? There's, cause if you're going to connect, um, intergenerationally, you still have to find a point of connection, right? Right. So you yeah. can't just connect some 
a baby boomer with a millennial and just throw them together. There has to be a point. Yeah, there has to be some point of connection where it's Mm -hmm. like, so for you, maybe it's connecting you with a a Jamaican baby boomer, right? I would love that. Like something like that. Or um, I live in LA right now or right right outside of LA. I specifically seek out women who are, if they're not from the South, at least from the East Coast, so that I can gain wisdom from them because anyone who's born here for me, God bless them. But the South is a different culture. The Carolinas is a very different culture than the West coast. And when I, you know, I come from churches that were hundreds of years old, like I can't, Mm -hmm. it's just very different. So finding those point of connections and it also takes the generations reaching out and not being afraid to reach out. Like I'm really glad Either I reached out or you reached Yeah. However we connected. Like, I think it's getting past these stereotypical barriers that mm-hmm. we put up on, on generations, those assumptions that we make about millennials. So God knows, yeah. I will be honest, I had some really stereotypical assumption assumptions about millennials years ago. And then I had to remind myself that some of my best friends are millennials. They act old. They are, they're older. We connect in very different ways, but I, it it really helped me to remember it's different from person to person. So I think we just need to reach out. So hopefully this will not be our last conversation. Yeah, definitely not. We got to have more chats. For sure, for sure. (laughs) So tell everyone where they can find your platform. Yes. So I'm on Instagram at the 411 underscore truth. Um, Check me out and, um, you know, uh, say hi. I'm always happy to connect with people and do more collabs and have more chats and interact. So, yeah, check me out. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Celine. I am so happy we had this conversation and I'm looking forward to our next one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hang out for a second. Thank you for listening to this liberated conversation. But remember, the conversation does not end here. I want to hear your thoughts and about your own experience. So share this episode and leave a comment at the Liberated Conversations with Ruthina Facebook page. Don't forget to visit my website, ruthinaporterfield.com. Like, subscribe, and tell a friend to join the conversation. And until our next one, Peace, stay cool, and God bless.